Rough Trade is giving away a third of the first three months of the Rough Trade Club plus new music membership exclusively to 101 Part-Time Jobs listeners. Become a member of Rough Trade Club New Music and you'll receive the Rough Trade Album of the Month straight to your door every month on an exclusive vinyl pressing with bonus material. Club members have received exclusive pressings of albums from Sufjan Stevens, Sprints, The Last Dinner Party, English Teacher and Over Mono, just to name a few, this past year alone. Sign up using the promo code CLUB101POD and you'll get Rough Trade's Album of the Month, Camera Obscura's Look to the East, Look to the West for a third of the usual price. By signing up, you'll be getting Rough Trade's exclusive issue of the album on opaque purple in a gatefold sleeve plus a bonus CD containing five demos. Don't want the album of the month but still want all the benefits? Sign up to the standard tier using Club 101 Pod and you'll still get the first month free. You'll also get free shipping on all orders, 10% off at the bar and on secondhand vinyl in store and exclusive access to sold out Rough Trade events. So don't hang around. Head to roughtrade.com slash club and sign up with the code CLUB101POD. That's CLUB101POD and claim money Money off Rough Trade's album of the month today. This offer is for UK residents only. Do you play in bands? I did for the longest time. And I wish that I knew that DistroKid was a thing. I don't even think it existed back then. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keep 100% of your royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to get their music on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. When you get DistroKid, you can see a DistroKid bank and withdraw your earnings. You get notified when you've earned royalties and you can withdraw via the app. And you can even check your streaming stats on Spotify Spotify and Apple. Get 30% off your first year on DistroKid by going to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. 30% off for your first year. That's not bad. We know it's a tough world out there. Why don't you make it easier for yourself? And to get 30% off that free year as an artist where you get 100% of your royalties and earnings, go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. All right, stay with me. I'll be right back after this. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When I'm at work and I call my bluff and I just want to get out 
I'm tight and I'm right. I just might prepare for the drought. Let me go on. Every day I'm out on the slog. Let me go on. 101 what I'm jobs. All right, you're listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs with me, Giles Bidder. It's the podcast where I speak to bands and artists about how they've managed to survive, really, and the stories of going through what's ever in front of them to keep on playing music, to keep on going on the road and making records. On today's episode is Marissa Paternoster, guitarist and singer of one of the world's coolest rock and roll bands, Screaming Females. They've been together 18 years and they've just released a wicked new record, Desire Pathway, that gives you everything we want, really, if you're looking for an interesting rock and roll punk rock record. They're coming to the UK on tour this year, this June, supported by Sniffany and the Knits, who are an ace band. In June, they'll be coming to Brighton, Bristol, London, Leeds, Glasgow, and Manchester. Those are going to be some fun shows feeling pretty buzzed that I got to chat to Marissa and it's all thanks to Rachel Silver for setting it up. Cheers for listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs and cheers to 2000 Trees who support the podcast. 2000 Trees is an ace independent rock festival in Cheltenham, just a few hours away from London on the train. And this July, you can see heaps of ace bands. It's going to be headlined by Soft Play, formerly known as Slaves, and Bullet For My Valentine and Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes. Rival Schools will be there, Black Honey, Brutus, The Bronx, American Football, Cancer Bats, Joyce Manor, Crows. Yeah, there are loads of bands playing at 2003s this year. If you want to go, but you haven't got your ticket yet, head to 2000trees.co.uk. And with the voucher code 101POD, you can get 20 quid straight off your price. It's a great independent music festival. Head down, and if not, check it out maybe it's one for next year or the year after it's always ace i've been there a bunch and i've always had a good time all right you're listening to 101 part-time jobs i'm giles bidder this is marissa paternoster of screaming females you know it changes all the time like what we need and what we don't need to be able to keep the ball rolling um when we were younger, what we needed to do to keep the ball rolling was to play 150 shows a year. Um, that has obviously changed um, since we've been around for a while and more, pe- more and more people come to see us. Now we maybe don't have to play in Wyoming on a Thursday, which is not to say I'm not implying that I do not like playing Wyoming on a Thursday. Um, I do actually enjoy that. But... Um, but there's the pressure there to do it. Um, I mean, or you had to do it. You know, there are it's 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 very multifaceted. There are a lot of elements that go into being uh, a, a person who's been in a band for 20 years. You know, I my body's a lot different. What I can tolerate is a lot different. My stamina is a lot different. Um, and that's applicable to everyone in our band. You know, we all grow older, and we have to like kind of. <clears throat> We have to adjust uh, the expectations that people have of us and the expectations that we have from ourselves so that we can continue touring safely and happily. Um, So it's a constant conversation that we will be having up until this project is over. 
and and however it ends um and so yeah i don't really have like any one answer um it's just it's been different constant communication you know that's not you know it's one of the the sort of main things of any friendship relationship you know business project but it's not always easy to do right sometimes sometimes you don't want to communicate as as much as you know you could have have you experienced yeah, that yeah i mean constantly uh being in a band is is no different than being in any other relationship if you really are committed to the people in your band and you want to continue kind of like um cultivating a sustainable and healthy relationship with them you do have to have like open channels for communication and to not feel afraid of yeah. being able to talk um to them about your thoughts and your feelings and it's not always easy you know um it's definitely been yeah. hard for us at times and i'm sure it will be hard for us again in the future it's more like 18 years you've been about, right? I said a decade earlier, but it's it's 18 years. I mean, that's pretty, like, you know, you've released records on Don Giovanni. Mm-hmm. All They're all on Don Giovanni. Has that, I mean, that must have been, you know, you're growing together. You mentioned earlier, you know, it changes earlier, it changes all the time. That kind of personal growth and working with, you know, you're an artist, Don Giovanni are the, record label has that has that been a quite like a purposeful relationship i guess my what i mean by that is you know have you been ambitious from the start were you like we want to do this for for 18 years you want to go as long as possible and i i guess my context of thinking that is there's so much about music or rock music guitar music that there are loads of bands that don't stay together more than five years yeah well i mean i think that a lot of that, like, again, there's no reason, reason what any one reason why a band might break up. It's always going to be like, there's going to be a lot of elements that go into why a band might last and why they might not last. And some of it is like internal and some of it is just external and things that are absolutely beyond anyone's control. Um, But with Don Giovanni, yeah. I mean, we put out our first two records by ourselves Um, and then Joe from Don Giovanni approached us and suggested, you know, he was fully aware that we were capable of pressing our own record. We knew how to do all that stuff. Um, but he was like, let me, let me talk to you guys about some other stuff that we could do, like maybe press and getting proper distribution so that your album is actually in the record store. And, um, from then it grew and, and I don't think, uh, whatever you might consider like our ambition was ever so heady that it didn't seem attainable. We were always just kind of trying to reach the next reasonable goal and um, not make some like massive, like just like not feed the delusion, you know, like let's do the thing that's the best for us. That seems like achievable that will get us to the, to the next stage in our career and maybe be fun and, and, satisfying but let's not let's not like feed this delusion that like someday we're going to be playing like five nights in madison square garden sure that would be nice if that happened but at that point in time it was not really like something you 
could, you could really work who, towards, you know. Who are the bands that you were looking towards? You know, when you when you on those first couple of records, were, were there were there particular bands or artists that you had in mind, and you were like, yeah, that's they did it a way that is the way that I, I mean, want to when do we it. first started in 2005 and 2006 i think that slater kinney was like a really great model for us in terms of like mm -hmm. um the high regard that they were kind of uh given in the indie rock or rock and roll community the fact that they hadn't really ever uh given up their their morals and like what they stood for and um continue to just do things on a level that seemed to not to use the word 5 million times, but sustainable, you know? Um, yeah, and yeah, yeah. also obviously yeah. for very superficial reasons, like we looked up to them because they're like a three piece and they're like a punk rock band. And then really early on Ted Leo and the pharmacists were like a really um, big inspiration to us. Like, you know, we'd all been Ted Leo fans. Yeah in our youth and then when we got to go on tour with Ted Leo and the pharmacist, they would roll up to a sold out show for like three thousand three thousand people in their van. And um Great. I didn't know they were playing to that many people. When Shake the Sheets come out he came out, yeah, definitely. So wow. um so yeah, I mean we were like, you know, it's possible. It's possible. You don't you don't need yeah. all the other bullshit to to make it happen and so yeah yeah when you were coming home from tours in that time you know what was your kind of mentality at was it like were you feeling much stress about it were you feel balanced about it do you remember i always have a really hard time when we get home from tour and i don't know what to do with myself or like how to function and in, in society <laughs> in any way shape or form i i had the really good luck uh in terms of timing for the the first like three years of our band, I was still in school. So when I got home nice. from tour, I didn't really have to go out and look for a job. I just had to go back to school. Um, and that, yeah. and that, you know, yeah. I was very, very lucky to have had that available for me to take up my time and, and be a priority. But yeah, I mean, when, and then, you know, later on three years down the line, when we got home from tour, I would just like do whatever literally whatever to make any amount of money um yeah but then even farther down the line you know we've been afforded with the really wonderful luck of having screaming females be our full-time job um and i think that we all created kind of like living situations for ourselves where we have very low overhead in terms of like the cost of living so that we can make living you know living and being in a punk rock band like a a, yeah. a thing you can do <laughs> i wonder how many punk rock bands are surviving on a independent label like surviving i mean it must be like thousands and like no more than because the thousands is a drop yeah in the it's ocean, not a right? lot it's definitely not a lot i know people who play in multiple bands who are who play in very big bands who still have full-time jobs yeah have you have you kind of like 
come in and out of finding, I was going to use the word elixir there. I'm not going to use that word. I'm sorry. <laughs> out of like finding that kind of little bit of magic that, you know, keeps you like buoyed by playing music, writing songs, releasing records, go on tour. You know, have you kind, kind of, have you had a bit of a journey of coming in and out of, you know, being in love with that? Uh, are you asking if I like sometimes, it's sometimes something I'm interested in, sometimes Sometimes. sometimes yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, of course, I think that is totally normal. Um, I'm not hopelessly in love with music 24 seven. Sometimes I don't want to participate in it at all. Sometimes I want to sit at home with my elderly dog and like watch TV and not listen to music yeah. or think about yeah. it at all. But I would say the majority of the time, yes, I would like to participate in music in some capacity. <laughs> I don't, I don't mean to like I don't I don't mean to like try and trip you up or like say anything you know down on that it's just like it's just I feel like you could be anyone and go through like a few months of feeling shite you know and and then coming back from that and what you can do to I think anyone that. who says that they like if they're a working musician and they just like are plugging away and and participating in being creative absolutely 24/7 unless they're like prince are probably lying to you and then prince is dead so he can't say anything about it <laughs> have you got when you were thinking about that middle period after school and before screaming females could be full-time what are some of the like most memorable days of of those of those years like the jobs that i had yeah the jobs or the you know how you're feeling about it like particular places you were living any kind of particular things really stand you know if you were seeing your friends now and you were at the pub or the bar and you know you 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 know sharing anecdotes from that time what kind of things what kind of things come I mean to I mind still right see away? those people all the time they're still the people I share my life with um uh a lot of you know like they're all very fond memories you know we all lived in punk houses together I, Mike and Jared and I lived in a house that had three bedrooms and had eight people living in it and that seems probably like it was kind of insane but we made it work and that yeah. was just kind of like what we understood and what we knew at the time and it um and it was what we could afford um that i had a lot I, I i am i have probably had quote-unquote uh like normative occupations the least out of the three of my bandmates i've also been very right. fortunate enough to uh, do like illustration work, like freelance illustration work. And then people often commission me for, for stuff. And so that's been really helpful, especially in the nice. past three years. Um, but with that being said, yes, I, I worked at a bakery. I was very fucking bad at it. I worked at a cafe where I was a waitress and I have some stories about that. I worked at the gap, which I just stopped showing up to cause it was too horrible. And um, I was like a substitute teacher for like a second. But all of these things were very, very fleeting. I, I, yeah. I'm, really, I'm really bad at having a job. I'm, when, people, when, I, when I talk to people who are like, yeah, I've been a teacher for like 15 years, I'm honestly just like floored. That's amazing. I don't know how people do it. It's absolutely incredible. Um. How bad were you at the bagel shop and what kind of bad? Uh, well, when I worked at the bakery, I was getting paid five seventy five an hour, which was legal minimum wage at the time. 
And then I got a job at the Gap, which was like seven ninety five, and I just left and started working at the Gap. And that's when you, uh, I just worked the floor. So like basically, you just fold things for eight hours, and it was maddening. I mean, it's basically torture. Right. Like they would just play because the the company Gap Incorporated or whatever they send a CD. That's about two hours long as a mix CD. And it's the only only CD that can physically even play in the CD player. So that just plays all day. And then people come in there and they like mess up the display and it's your, up to you to fold it. Anyway, I kept like leaving to go play shows. And I was just like, I'm also a child, by the way. You know, like at this point, I'm like 23 or whatever. So I didn't give a fuck. But I just like would never sign my, I would never punch out. I was just like a terrible employee. And so eventually... I remember they kept calling me and being like, Marissa, you're doing a really bad job. And I was like, I know, I don't care. Um, so I stopped going. And then we went on tour or something. And then the longest job I ever had was at this cafe in New Jersey. And it was like kind of like a sort of fancy like French bistro thing. I got trained as a barista, but then the my boss wanted um, to start opening up for breakfast, but he didn't want to hire like a wait staff. So people started coming in and I was like, I guess I'll do it. Cause there were like people standing around waiting. I, I mean, I never waited a table in my life, but right. I figured it out. But there was one morning and this is the story that I tell people mostly. There was one morning there were screaming females had played the night before I was up to like three. I had to get up at like six to go to work and I was very, very tired. So I walked into the cafe. I opened it up. And I was supposed to do this thing where you make like a carafe of coffee in the morning and just put out the jug for like whoever comes in. Um, mm -hmm. I had noticed that the drip pot had already had like a clear liquid in it. And so I just kind of, it, my sleepy brain, I was just kind of like, that, that must be water. And so I took the, the, the coffee pot that had the clear liquid in it and I poured it into the coffee machine, made the coffee. I put it into the carafe, put it out. My boss came in and he drank it and he was like, this coffee tastes like really bad. It tastes like chemicals. And oh, I was like, well, I don't know what you're talking about because I make it the same way every day. So like you're, you must be crazy. And then I tried it and I was like, oh yeah, that's bleach. Like I made coffee with bleach. So I made the whole thing with bleach. No. Luckily no one ever went there. So no one Fuck. had my bleach coffee except me and my boss. And <laughs> That's a shame. Maybe it could have I taken I kind of was hoping that it would have killed him because he was a horrible, horrible person. Um, <laughs> and he continued to, like, be... I mean, that was me making a funny mistake, but he was actually, like, an abhorrent person. And I think I was there for, like, four months before I quit to go on tour, which is not long no. at all. I realize that. It's, like, really pathetic. But no. it's my it's my <laughs> truth. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
Part-time jobs, 101. Part-time jobs, 101. Part-time jobs, 101. Part-time jobs. You know, I was thinking, you know, when you started, that was just when people were starting to download shit. 2005, 2006, like LimeWire was kicking off. Probably Spotify was about to start, but people like that was sort of like just the end of when people were really downloading stuff heavily. Did you notice with, or like, you know, have you spoken to Joe Don Giovanni much about, you know, seeing like physical sales come back? Uh, no, I mean, Joe, Joe's written, Joe works for Drexel University, the music business department. So this is actually something that he could probably talk to you about um, more eloquently than yeah. I could. But um, the fact of the matter is, is that um, if you're trying to make a living as a musician, and not be on tour for at least you know like half of the year then you're gonna have a really hard time and you know it's it's hard to not feel frustrated by that because touring in and of itself is very taxing um it's very expensive it can be very expensive and you're doing all of that work after doing all of the work of like recording writing and recording and performing an album but yeah, it it's just you can't really recoup. I mean, I might be talking out of my ass, but it seems like you can't really recoup on an album on physical sales alone, unless you're like SZA. There, there's no middle class right. when it comes to music anymore. I feel like in the '90s there was kind of like a middle class, like. You know, I'm sure the archers of loaf could make a living off of being in their band and they weren't playing in stadiums or anything, yeah. but that doesn't seem to really exist anymore. And it's a shame. I know we're doing this and this sort of technically counts as well it is press, right? It's journalism or, or, you know, an interview, but are, are you like, are you interested in that stuff? Do you read interviews of other bands? You know, I, I'm, a, I'm a, I love watching the old VH1 behind the music and some of them are, you know, up the duff, some of them are naff, but there's a few that like are magic, you know, and that's like a big part of the reason of how I, why I fell in love with music. Are you into I mean, that I watched the shit out of them when they were on TV in, in 1998. I, I don't know if I've ever revisited yeah. any of the behind the musics, yeah. but I probably should. I watched so much television when I was a kid, so I probably saw a lot of these episodes multiple times. And That's I definitely, funny. I feel like I reference them a lot it, just in my day-to-day -day, talking about music stuff. Uh, but yeah, yeah, maybe I should rewatch yeah. some behind the music episodes <laughs> rock docs oh yeah into rock no docs? i'll watch i'll watch pretty much anything about rock and roll no matter what the quality any 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 favorites of the last few years i'm not a big fan of the eagles but i thought that three hour uh, film was i didn't amazing. know about that i watched the um the go-go's documentary was came out a while yeah, ago great. but i really thought that was well done i thought um the um polystyrene documentary was really really wonderful um yes. yeah but i also like cool. watching like like duff from guns and roses put out a rock doc that was like straight to netflix <laughs> it was one of the most bizarre things <laughs> i've ever seen there was like animated parts and parts where he was just like playing acoustic on like a sound stage like 
and it was like only kind of about like it didn't really make any sense like i really liked that one <laughs> that was fun <laughs> did you watch the did you watch the dirt yeah that was fine i thought it was i thought it was okay there is i think there is something that did you there was that daisy jones and the six that came out recently and i really enjoyed that that it was cheesy it was cheesy as hell but there's something like comforting about that i got the same feeling as watching yeah. the oc I, or something. I, like I have found Hill. that in the very small amount of experience i have in watching rock and roll bands portrayed in movies or drop you know and like the germs movie was like one of the worst things i've ever seen <laughs> but then like sometimes sometimes they really knock it out of the ballpark like Sid and Nancy is one of my favorite movies even if I didn't know anything about the Sex Pistols or Sid and Nancy like I would still think that movie is awesome but it's just so rare for um, I guess producers and directors to be able to like really do a rock and roll band or just any kind of musician justice it's a it's there's some wires that cross there that just like aren't <laughs> aren't firing there is one that i haven't seen yet called lawrence of belgravia and lawrence felt who's in that band felt if you, if you ever heard of them that that seems it seems a bit nuts just like a guy like li- really living on the fringes i guess he'd be the kind of person's great to chat about the jobs thing too because i read a quote where he was like you know the cruelty of the music industry is exactly what he likes about it you know he he would prefer there isn't some kind of you know on ramp and off ramp and help along the way i mean have you been frustrated that there's you know not necessarily like loads of help for musicians in in this kind of you know it, it industry doesn't feel like the quite w- w- the right word to say it but it is an industry it absolutely right? is and i think a lot of the help that is offered especially to young musicians is um can often uh serve as a detriment to what they're actually looking for i i think you know we definitely were offered a couple, uh, there were a couple people who approached us and wanted to like be a manager or maybe book us before we really needed any of those things. And still to this day, we don't have a manager and maybe someday down the line, we will need one. But if you're just kind of in a punk band and you're like booping around from house to house, there might be some like kind of like nefarious people who don't have your best interests in mind trying to capitalize on your project. Um, and that's mm. not to say that they all like don't have your best interests yeah, in mind. Course, there are yeah. definitely people out there who just want to participate. That is for sure. Um, but um, I think if you are confident in your project, you know what you want, then you'll seek it out when it's time. But um, a really big, uh, a really wonderful gift that I think the three of us have been afforded through DIY and doing things ourselves is learning. And when you have the gift of knowledge, no one can take that away from you. So like if you've been in a band for 10 years and you go in the office to get paid for the night and the person trying to pay you doesn't give you like the right paperwork or the check is signed wrong, you have the power of knowledge to be like, hey, these things are wrong. I'm not I'm not suggesting that promoters are like creeps or whatever. I'm just saying like that's like an example of 
the power of yeah, learning. Sure. And if you kind of like let someone else just like do that stuff for you when you're young in the initial stages of, of your career, you might not ever learn it. And that, that doesn't do you any service. So it's taking, you know, having that time to learn. I think time is something I think a lot about growing up in the suburbs of London. Both my parents have sort of from closer to the city you know, I think we were brought up with a sense of like urgency in the way that, you know, go to school, study as much as you can, get a job, you know, try and hurry up with it, you know, try and hurry up and get paid. And I'm I'm learning as a, you know, a bit older now and having a various different jobs and figuring out that I don't suit them, you know, and kind of becoming a bit more terms, a bit more to terms with that. Like having time to grow is one of the most valuable things in life yeah i mean you know being in screaming females has taught me more than any of my formal schooling has taught me about life and um the the, the traveling and experience having experiences is like the greatest teacher you could have yeah when you're at home, when you're writing, do you do you find it, you know, are you, are you quite good at carving out that time in the day to write or read or watch no. rock dogs? <laughs> I'm really bad at uh, creating routine for myself, especially at home, because uh, I don't know. I've just always had like a problem with it. So, um, but... I mean, I, I have I have all the tools that I need in my room. You know, I, I, I sit down with recording equipment like as often as I f feel like I can um, to put down little ideas and stuff like that. Um, but when I'm at home, you know, all that's basically all I do. I draw a lot. I draw a lot at home. That's that's pretty much what I do all day is draw stuff. Um, draw and right. paint is like takes up the majority of my time at home um ace and that's that does that put you in a pretty good place when you're drawing when sometimes you're it depends what i'm making <laughs> sometimes i just want it to be over and sometimes it's really fun <laughs> what what kind of paints is it is it watercolor have you got like a favorite type of um, like medium no with painting? i mean i i mostly like do illustration Tools. stuff and then um, I, when I have time, when I'm not doing like commission work, I, I paint stuff for pleasure, but it's also kind of like a drawing, like I can't show you a thing, yeah. but like this is a big, it's like a painting, but it's not really, it's just a big drawing. Wow. <laughs> so stuff like. Marissa, thanks. that's amazing. Thanks. That's so thanks. fucking um, cool. But, uh, thanks. that's really cool. But yeah, to make ends meet. Um, or not make ends meet meat. I, to, to supplement my income from screaming females, I, I do a lot of drawing. And so Joe and I actually from Don Giovanni records are finishing up working on a graphic novel that we did over the course of COVID. So Ace. we're in wow. the, have you talked about huh? that before? Do people, do people know about yeah, that? Yeah. Well, the people who doing. have were generous enough to contribute to the Kickstarter definitely know about it because it's been two years since we started it. But it is, a, it is 240 pages long. And, uh, okay. you know, drawing a comic book of that length it took, a, took, took a lot of time. And that's exactly what I anticipated. So 
now we're kind of in the final stages nice. of preparing it to to be laid out um so that took up a hell of a lot of my time for the past like two and a half years was was drawing that comic how did you collaborate with Joe on that? Are you doing different chapters to each other or collaborating on the same No, it was very story? simple. Joe wrote it and I illustrated it. And that's literally how it happened. So he sent me a, what looked like a screenplay. It was a script. And then every... And we probably did not do this right. We learned a lot, again, I said, about <laughs> maybe a better techniques for doing this in the future. But um, he would send me kind of storyboards and... Of course, I would. I would be like. Sometimes I might be like, "This transition doesn't really make sense. Let's like maybe this text, this dialogue between these two characters could change." Um, but for the most part, it's it's his writing, and I just kind of like did the drawings. Um, so. Great, that's so cool. What can you like? What are you most excited about? That are there are there, are there, are there stories that you're really buzzing on? Are you really happy with where how it's coming um, out? I mean, like. I, I, I feel like my purpose was pretty utilitarian. You know, it's like I just drew the stuff. I like the story. I think as a comic book fan, if I bought it and I read it, I'd be like, that was enjoyable. Um, but I, I'm, uh, I think the thing I'm most proud of is the fact that I did it. I, I never in a million years would have anticipated that I would have the discipline to illustrate something of such magnitude um so so that's that's what i'm the most proud of um then of course seeing it that's i'm great. sure it'll be like really fun and a thrill but that's that's way down way ways away you know what you're saying you know the the, the thing you're you know most you know one of the things you're most pleased about is that you did it you know that strikes something with me because you know, even when I was really young and, and, and now like it fascinates me when people just make stuff, you know, for because of something they dreamt of or something they thought of. I think that's like one of the most powerful things we can do in, you know, basically like a like overwhelmingly capitalist society where we're told we always should be doing something for someone else, making money for something else, uh, dressing like a certain way for other people. You know, I think that's the kind of most powerful thing anyone can do is make something yeah i mean i grew up drawing and painting it's probably like my greatest joy i've always done it um you know i grew up doing it for no reason at all it's weird that i've been able to mm -hmm. monetize it in some way but i'm very thankful for that because it did help me a great deal especially through covid but i still draw and paint for pleasure all the time and um art has always served as my, my greatest refuge um and no one no one can take that from me <laughs> doing something for no reason other than to make yourself feel feel good is that's a that's a, an amazing thing i think i know that sounds like a really like earnest thing to say but it's yeah. real that's fucking that to me yeah. is that's magic marissa thanks so much for being up for this i appreciate your yeah. time it's all good you said a couple of stories earlier and so maybe that kind of nullifies this part of it but I like to end with because I did loads of interviews and I was like I fucking don't know how to end and it kind of ends with the wheels falling off and like kind of not an awkward goodbye but just sort of a staggered goodbye I like uh, to try and sort of neaten up the format of these episodes I've been trying to finish with a good work gaff or work fail story and making a 
mug of co- making a a, a cu- you know a big jar of coffee that has bleach in and you're boss drinking it is is a pretty good one that's my best one i think hold <laughs> I on let me if... think uh yeah yeah that's definitely my best one because i really didn't i had like i tried <laughs> so hard to do so many different things and i failed at all of them um that was definitely my best one <laughs> was making a carafe of coffee with bleach and not getting fired did you like did your like confidence deplete with trying to find trying to do things because this is like the day in my experience the danger of getting a job and then like wanting to do well for your boss that's a very dangerous feeling oh i've never felt that i i mean i haven't had a uh like a quote-unquote like i said normative occupation in so long and every time i entered any kind of job like doing food service or whatever I knew that I knew already that I was going to quit. So I think that set probably a pretty unhealthy precedent for me doing well in any capacity at the job. I just didn't care. Um, And that would infuriate the people who obviously were my bosses. Um, So, you know, when I worked at the Gap, I remember like getting, we had to wear little headsets and you were supposed to like um, try to have, uh, people coming in and out of the store sign up for like a, some kind of rewards card. And so they would just scream in your ear all day about like getting, like having people sign up for the rewards card, which I just was like, I don't need, I'm not going to do that. Cause I'm going to quit this job in two weeks. Wow. Um, yeah. And I, so I was, I was scolded a lot for not ever trying to get um, anyone to sign up for the rewards card, but I was also scolded a bunch of times for not smiling um, or being amicable. What? Well, it was weird because everyone else who worked there seemed to just fucking love it. And I was like, this is hell. Um, and I think in, in those really rare moments, I'm like, God, I really am like a fucking freak, maybe. <laughs> like, but, but, you know, I don't know what those people's personal lives are like. Maybe when they go home, they're like, I hate the gap so much. They're just trying to actually do a good no. job because they're not going to quit in two weeks. You know, I was just there to visit, so... Um, so I've been, yeah, I'm a yeah. spoiled, spoiled brat in that way. I've never, I've never <laughs> had to hold, really hold it down. And I, I, I realize that I've been very lucky. It's, it's interesting being in those scenarios. And like, I think in that, in one of those sort of service industries, like I'm a big people, pl- I'm a big person pleaser, <coughs> you know, for, for just, just that's my DNA. Right. And I think in those scenarios that like that comes out some of those sort of DNA traits just come out in those yeah, times. I always they? thought I was a people pleaser too, until I had a couple jobs. And then I was like, I actually really don't care what any of these people think about me. <laughs> and it really shined through. Brilliant. All right. So there was Marissa Paternoster of Screaming Females here on 101 Part-Time Jobs. Don't forget to check Screaming Females tour dates coming up. They've got a lot through June in the UK and in Europe. Cheers for listening. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. I love doing these. I love sharing these stories. I like making my own VH1 behind the music. (laughs) You know? Uh, Maybe? Kind of? Yeah, we'll see. Cheers for Jason Cavalier for doing these jingles that I'm enjoying. Waitress in the Sky by The Replacements beneath this. At the start was Blister in the Sun by Violent Femmes, which is in the intro of Air, the new film with Ben Affleck. And who's his friend? And Matt Damon. Wow. Got to say, watched quarter of it, paused it. 
just the way it goes sometimes. See you next week for some new episodes. And if you're wondering, yes, I did wear a 101 part-time jobs t-shirt to the podcast show today in London. Made some friends of it. So who's the real winner? (laughs) Cheers for listening. See you again. Bye-bye. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.